0: pastor paul i am here in the cozy confines of the gilbert abode i was getting ready to broadcast from outside and that's when the world decided to unleash craziness so there's tree trucks in the neighborhood lawnmowers leaf blowers everybody decided to start at once so we're inside and we're also into matthew 16 which is the crescendo of this section where Matthew has been putting before us the question, the question we all have to answer and respond to who is Jesus? And we've seen um, a variety of responses from various groups of people until finally we make our way to Peter's confession in Matthew 16. So as we dive in to this new week and this new chapter, let's pray, Lord. And we see them at this once again in verse one in Matthew 16 when it says they came and then to test him they asked Jesus to show him a sign. Give us a sign, they said Jesus. That'll do it for us. And I've always wondered you know at different points in my life, why didn't Jesus just just do this? Why didn't he just like call down fire from heaven? Wouldn't that have persuaded them? Wouldn't that have really been a a powerful demonstration of, of a sign from heaven? And then, but we have to remember, we have, as we're reading all of Matthew's narrative, Jesus has already been giving them signs. He's already been healing. He's already been uh, casting out demons. He's been making his power and his authority known. And what have the religious leaders done? They've refused to believe it. In fact, they're so hardened in their hearts against Jesus, they attribute his miracle working to Satan. And then Jesus, shows how ridiculous that sort of logic is in fact they're so hardened in their disbelief that remember back in Matthew 11 I think it was Matthew calls this the the unforgivable sin or the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit where their hearts are so hardened that they would rather attribute the power and authority of Jesus to that of Satan and demons rather than bend their knee to Christ and so here they are um, they're still in this posture, they're still in this hardened heart here as we open up Matthew 16. Um, Jesus doesn't show them a sign, even if he had, they would have attributed to Satan or found some other way not to believe it. And then Jesus warns them about the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, or the, 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 the use of cooking analogy, the yeast, a little bit of yeast makes its way through the dough and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Jesus is saying that's how their teaching is like, and that's what he's been showing us all throughout this. This is one extreme response of unbelief. But then here, Matthew is showing us this to then pivot to the disciples in verse 13. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees have already weighed in about who they think Jesus is, and now Jesus poses this question to the disciples. And he says, who do people say that the Son Of man is and then we come to that very famous statement in verse 16 from Simon Peter verse 16 Simon Peter replied you are the Christ the son of the living God and and all of Matthew has been has been building to this point thus far to communicate and to press forward to his readership and to us for us to consider that same question And Jesus affirms Simon Peter's response by saying blessed are you Simon bar Jonah Simon son of Jonah for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father who is in heaven again continuing that statement or that theme that human hearts are naturally wicked and hardened to the things of God God has to reveal through his spirit, the truth of who he is, and that's what's happened with the disciples. He's taken them into his confidence, he's revealed himself, and now Simon is making this declaration. Now, this brings us probably to one of the more contra- most controversial passages in all of scripture, um, and volumes have, of ink have been spilled around this debate, and of course, we're gonna resolve it in about five minutes, so I know you're excited to hear that. But look at verse 17, and let's read it, and then let's talk about what in the world it might mean. Verse 18, And I tell you, and he's speaking to Peter, You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, Roman Catholics have looked to this text as a proof text to say this is where Jesus is conferring upon Peter this sort of absolute authority. Um, whatever he binds on earth, we bind and bound in earth, we looses on earth, we loose On earth, it's it's it, That's a way of talking about the authority that was going to be invested in him, and that that this is the this is establishing the primacy of Peter among the apostles. And thus, this apostolic succession down from that time has happened through the popes. And that popes can now speak ex cathedra in the place of Christ with the voice of Christ. And that's why the pope would be the highest human authority on earth. Now, the Protestant view, or we would kind of say the classical view, biblical view, um, going back to the beginning times of the church was or or let me just put it this way, the, the classic Protestant view, let's keep it there for right now, was that what Jesus is saying here is that not that he's gonna build the church upon Simon, but upon his confession, right? So just as so, Jesus is gonna build the, the church upon himself. Now, interestingly, I, don't, I think both of those views have deficiencies, and then I'll explain what I think Jesus is really saying. First of all, it's very clear when Jesus says you are, um, you are Peter. That's a nickname, it, it, Petra okay, or Petros, and then upon this rock Petra, it's very clear Jesus is linking these two terms, right? And he is, I believe, undoubtedly investing Peter an in authority, a unique apostolic authority in the early church. We know that Peter was the first among equals. Um, with the original apostles and that when Paul came along they were they were probably the two most prominent apostles but we see this in the ministry of Jesus that I mean ministry in Acts of Peter where Peter did have unique authority he didn't have he he spoke as one who had been given authority by Christ think about Acts 5 for a second where Ananias and Sapphira are struck dead by the Holy Spirit. Well, it's Peter who's presiding over that whole scenario. And so I think we don't do justice to the biblical text or the historical or biblical record when we just say, well, Jesus is not referring to any kind of authority vested in Simon at all. This is just all about uh, the authority is vested in his confession. That's what Jesus will build his church upon. Um, However, Um, I think the Roman Catholic view is in error as well because we know that this authority is not absolute. And the reason we know this authority is is not absolute is for a few reasons. First of all, um, we know in Galatians 2, Paul rebukes Peter specifically because Peter was doing something contrary to the gospel. He was not having table fellowship with Gentiles. And Paul has to rebuke Peter. In fact, we see this even in this own passage that as as much as Jesus commends Peter's confession, then he has to turn around and rebuke Peter. Because why? Because Peter said, um, Lord, because Jesus began to explain to them why he had to go to Jerusalem, why he had to suffer, why he had to be delivered over to the hands of the Gentiles and crucified. And what does, what does Peter do? He rebukes Jesus because this is not in, a, in a accord with his has thought about the kind of authority or the kind of messiah that jesus would be but jesus has to rebuke him very strongly to say get behind me satan okay and and so again these are examples to show that 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 while peter was a was a, a very important authority in the life of the early church an apostolic authority uh, a first among equals his authority was not absolute and as we saw this past sunday when we studied uh, the, the rock passage in 1 Peter, Peter does no, nowhere ascribes this kind of authority to himself, right? He, he simply ministers as a servant um, of the gospel. And what's interesting about this passage, and, and again, this is one of the things that's, that's oftentimes misunderstood, where it says, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. A lot of time we envision this idea that the kingdom of god is this castle and that satan uh and has these walled forts around it and that the forces of satan are coming against the kingdom of god and they can't break down the gates and the gates hold strong that's not the picture here in actuality it's the kingdom of satan that's been established on earth and it has its gates and walls around it and the kingdom of god is coming with authority and what it's saying here is that the gates of hell cannot keep out the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is going to win, it's going to grow, it's going to explode, it's going to ultimately um, be victorious. And that's what we're that's, that that's the essence of what we are to take here. That Jesus is Lord of his church. And that when he ascended into heaven, he gave authority to his apostles. And that apostolic authority, that apostolic deposit, still is in effect for us through the writings of the apostles, um, which we call the New Testament. But ultimately, all of it testified to the kingship of Christ, the priority of Christ, the priority of the gospel. And I think Peter would be horrified to know that there are people who are still vesting authority in his person because remember when we say that a human authority or the pope for example or the church is on a co-equal authority with the bible there's there's no such thing right because someone has to be the ultimate arbiter of truth and authority and in the roman catholic church that ends up being of course the church the pope the bible means what the church or the pope says it means and I think that to use this text to or, or any part of scripture to support that is um, is in grave error and I think we ultimately see that with deviations from the gospel itself now there is a concluding statement in here and we'll wind up with this Jesus has again another controversial statement we he, he says in verse 28 truly I say to you there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And we may say, what in the world does that mean? It seems that Jesus is saying that some of these apostles will not die until Jesus comes again, which seems to be blatantly inaccurate. Well, there are several ways that people have interpreted that. One is to say that what Jesus is speaking here of is the destruction of Jerusalem, so that when he comes back in judgment upon Jerusalem, Jerusalem is destroyed. Some of the apostles are still living. Uh, another group of sa- uh, people say, well, what he's referring to is the transfiguration, which happens in the very next chapter, which we'll look at tomorrow, that Jesus appears in his glory. And Peter, James, and John's witness this. Even others, and I think this is probably the most likely interpretation, is that he's speaking about his resurrection that that's when Jesus validated his authority over his kingdom, okay, um, in establishing, establishing his kingdom on earth and in heaven because he arose from the dead. But again, there's all sorts of debate about that. It's oftentimes a point of confusion for people. But the main thing we need to understand is that the reason we worship Jesus as the true Messiah, as the true king, is because he is risen, And because he has demonstrated his authority over sin and death first by dying on a cross and then being raised to newness of life through the power of the holy spirit and that this is ultimately the core of peter's confession is what we build our heart and a life the gospel the church around not a human not um not a tradition not any sort of human authority ultimately but upon christ and his word so that's what we learned from matthew 16. glad you're reconnecting with us as we kick back up matthew this week we'll be in matthew 17 tomorrow the transfiguration and this is one of those incidents that peter references directly in his epistles second peter this made such an imprint indelible imprint upon peter that he still writes about it 30 years later and we're going to look at that tomorrow. So let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, you have promised that the gates of hell will not prevail against your church. And this is because the church is built upon you, upon your authority, upon the gospel, Lord, we thank you for the apostolic witness and deposit that has come down to us. And Lord, we want to continue to mold our lives to it as it's revealed to us in your word, Lord, we ask these things in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks everybody. Have a great day. See you same time, same stage.